This episode contains descriptions of gore, suicide, and suicidal ideation. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. If you or someone you love is struggling with suicidal thoughts or the impulse to self-harm, please seek help. The United States National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. There is nothing supernatural or inevitable about your pain. You shouldn't have to live with ghosts. The following is from the Chinese Fairy Book, as translated by Frederick H. Martins and edited by Dr. Richard Wilhelm. There are ghosts of many kinds, but the ghosts of those who have hung themselves are the worst. Such ghosts are always coaxing other living people to hang themselves from the beams of the roof. If they succeed in persuading someone to hang himself, then the road to the netherworld is open to them, and they can once more enter the wheel of transformation. Hi everyone, I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Ghost stories have arisen from every century and every corner of the world, from the streets of Victorian Whitechapel to the temples of Japan. Whether seated around the campfire or curled up with a pair of headphones, we return to them time and again to feel our skin crawl and our hearts race. Episodes of Ghost Stories are inspired by classic short stories from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's story is an English translation from 1921 of a traditional Chinese folktale called The Ghost Who Was Foiled. We should note that while China has many ethnic and language groups, the translator and the editor of the story, Frederick H. Martins and Dr. Richard Wilhelm, presented it as a pan-Chinese narrative in their collection of folktales, The Chinese Fairy Book. We will be presenting the translated version. While acknowledging there may be deviations in tellings from region to region, as well as in Wilhelm's interpretation. The ghost who was foiled follows a young soldier who, after recently passing his military exams, must report for duty in a far-off city. I'll be telling the tale from the perspective of Shin, the traveling soldier. Though Shin has trained extensively for battle, what he encounters on the road is far more terrifying than war. Instead, he crosses paths with a dangerous ghost, one who is determined to drag her victims to an early grave. Coming up, we'll follow a deadly spirit. 
Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Jin's shoes were soaked through. He'd walked for hours and the rain had not let up once. It was foolish of him to think that the rainy season would clear its skies for his walk, but he'd been hopeful nonetheless. He wanted to arrive early to his new imperial post. He thought he might impress the members of high command with his speed and dedication. But now, shivering in his soaking wet clothes and limping from his blistered feet, Shin realized he may have to sacrifice punctuality for shelter. He looked around, squinting through the rain. The village streets were empty. In the city, people fought through the rainy season to sell their wares. He was used to that. But here, there was nothing. No craftsmen, thieves, or beggars. The town was silent. Shin limped to the closest house he could find and knocked on the door. There was no reply. He told himself that the rain must have swallowed up the sound of his knock, so he pounded again and the door opened just a crack. Shin paused, then leaned forward to peer inside. On the other side of the door, a brown eye stared back at him. Shin stepped back, startled, then cleared his throat trying to salvage an air of dignity. <clears throat> Excuse me, I am a soldier on my way to my imperial post, but as you can see, I'm in need of shelter for the night. Would you be so kind as to... Before he had a chance to ask for a place to stay, the villager jabbed a finger out of the crack and pointed to the left. There is a temple, the man said gruffly. Shin nodded. It wasn't ideal, but he would make do. He thanked the villager and turned to leave, but then the man called out from the darkness. She is convincing, but your fate will be tied to hers if you give in. Do not listen to her. Jin turned around, puzzled. What a strange thing to say. He began to ask who the man was talking about, but the door quickly shut. Shin sighed and headed left in search of the temple trying to ignore the pain in his foot. He did not entirely know what he was looking for. He was used to structures like the Lin Yin Temple in Jinan with his towering pagoda. Nearly 400 monks lived there year-round. But that was the capital, 
and he was a long ways away. It was hard to imagine this village containing 400 livestock, let alone people. Soon, the carcass of a temple rose out of the darkness. It had the classic roof, flat on top with its curled corners. But the paint had faded, and the shimmering gold and vibrant red had been eaten away by rain and rot. Shin trekked up to the front steps, eager to put his pack down for the night. Inside, the murals were faint and deteriorating. It was clear that their upkeep depended on the village, but it seemed the villagers had turned their backs on the temple. Regardless, it was a place to sleep. Shin pulled out his bedroll and placed it on the ground. Just then, he caught sight of a millipede. It skittered down the wall, tearing through spiderwebs on the hunt for something more filling. Shin watched as it disappeared down the hall into the dripping depths of the temple. Then, from those same depths, a woman appeared. Her long dark hair obscured her face, and her faded red shenyi was caked in dirt. As she walked toward him, a long red rope swung in her hands. She was a strange sight to behold. Not because he expected to be alone. The temple was a public space after all. What was odd was what she wore. Red, after all, was the color of luck. But luck seemed to have abandoned this poor creature long ago. It didn't suit her. But even in the dim, rain-soaked moonlight of the temple, Shin could see that she walked with a kind of determination. He wanted to close his eyes and sleep, but he couldn't stop watching her. The woman's fingers were tightly clutched around the red rope, and her face was turned toward the entrance, her jaw set with resolve. She reminded him of the men he had trained with for battle. She didn't notice him as she passed by. Shin watched her walk toward the entrance, then leave entirely. Somehow, he felt slighted, but mostly, he was curious. After the woman walked out into the rain, Shin quietly followed. But a strange thing happened. As he stepped outside the temple, he noticed that the rain bent around her. Although the water was coming down hard, not one droplet seemed to touch her. Sleep was calling to him, and he needed to understand who this woman in red was. As she walked through the streets, something pulled him to follow. Her clothing billowed in the wind, making her appear as though she undulated as she moved. Yet she walked quickly. She turned her head to the left and right as if looking for something, occasionally stopping to listen at a door. Shin could only hear the pouring rain, but each time the woman pressed her ear against another home, it seemed she received whatever answer she was looking for, then continued on. The woman turned down a street lined with tall gates and small, dark houses. Shin hurried forward, trying not to lose sight of her. But as he did, his foot slipped on the slick grass and he stumbled to the ground. When he looked up again, the woman in red was gone. There was a small crack in one of the gates where she must have slipped past but it was too small for him to fit through. He tried the door, but it wouldn't open. 
Then he placed his hands on the gate and hoisted himself up and over with a groan. As he did, he caught a flash of black hair through the nearest window. Shin tiptoed toward it and dropped low as he approached. The woman in red was inside, but she was not alone. A crying woman sat beside her, a younger woman. Her eyes were red from sobbing and her hair was unkempt. She looked tired and overwhelmed and the cause was clear. Beside her, in a small crib, was a sleeping infant. Shin carefully pushed the window open to catch pieces of their conversation. Oh, Zuro, the woman in red said to the weeping mother, I feel your pain as if it is my own. You must let me help you. The woman in red did not sound like Shin expected. She wasn't quiet or reedy. Her voice was smooth and strong. I know how much you're hurting, and I have a solution for you. You'll never know pain again. Wouldn't that be lovely? Zuro, the weeping mother, looked up at the woman in red with something like hope. The woman in red then looked up at a beam above their heads, and Zuro's eyes followed, seeming to understand. Then she looked to the sleeping child beside her and caressed his cheek. My son still needs me, she replied softly. The woman in red laughed. <laughs> Are you doing your best for him right now? Be honest with yourself. Your husband will make sure your son is cared for. He'll take another wife, a better one. Zuro began to cry anew, and the woman in red leaned closer, stroking her cheek. You don't have to worry about him or anyone else. It will be easier on everyone this way. The woman pulled out the red rope and held it out to her. Trust me, she said. Zuro took the rope from the woman's hand. Then, as on some kind of mission, she stood, then pushed a table just underneath the beam. And in that moment, Shin realized what was about to happen and who the woman in the red Shenyi actually was. Red was lucky for the living, yes, but for a ghost, it was a sign of great danger. Shin's pulse pounded in his ears as he put the pieces together. This woman was not a person, but the specter of a woman who killed herself by hanging. If she could convince Tsuro to follow in her footsteps, she would be able to make her way back into the cycle of reincarnation. But poor Tsuro would be doomed forever. At least, until she trapped another soul to replace her. It was a fate worse than any he could imagine. And Shin could not sit by and let it happen. Tsuro climbed on top of the table and threw the rope over the beam. She took one last tearful look at her child. Shin threw himself against the window, screaming for Tsuro to stop. 
but he also caught the attention of the ghost. The woman in red turned to face him. Her eyes had lost all color, and a rage, unlike anything he'd ever seen, distorted her features. Her face loomed out at him, the light from the room's lantern casting jagged shadows across her skin. She sneered. But Shin would not give up. He shoved his shoulder against the window as hard as he could and prayed he was not too late. Coming up, Shin faces the wrath of a foiled ghost. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast Network. The Vatican is one of the most recognizable religious sites in the world, but it's also a powerful institution. Its unique history full of secrecy. This Easter, my show Conspiracy Theories looks deep into the church's past to uncover how it became what it is today. Starting April 5th, our new four-part miniseries, Mysteries of the Vatican, dives in to examine some of the most prominent conspiracy theories surrounding this mysterious organization. From the church's sordid rise to power, to prophetic visions, and even assassination attempts. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories, to hear Mysteries of the Vatican. New episodes air every Monday and Wednesday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now, back to the story. Shin broke through the window with a garbled yell, and Zuro stepped backwards, startled. She stood on the edge of the table, but Shin had stopped her from taking that fatal step. The ghost in red had almost convinced the young mother to follow her path. If Shin were a moment delayed, that was exactly what she'd have done. Shin looked around the room, hardly believing the scene in front of him. He had heard stories like this before from his mother about despondent soldiers and lost souls being greeted by ghosts with a rope. At the time, he had told himself that he didn't believe these tales, that they were just a way to speak about the unspeakable, nothing more. But now, as he looked at the ghost in red, glaring at him for having thwarted her plans, he knew his mother's stories were true. Zuro looked at him, panicked, who are you? She asked. He took a breath and tried his best to speak softly despite his pounding heart. A friend, he answered gently. But he couldn't stop his voice from shaking as he spoke. I, I understand what you're facing right now, but all that I ask is that you let me help you. He struggled with his next words until he spotted the child sleeping beside her. Please, Zuro, listen to me. You are a wonderful mother and your son does need you. Zuro looked up at the beam, defeat muffling her voice. 
I'm just so tired, she said blankly. Shin's mind raced. His mouth went dry. His months of training alongside stoic military men hadn't prepared him for this. He didn't know what to say next, but he tried to remember the home he grew up in and the love of his own mother and the struggles she endured for him. When he spoke again, his voice had stopped shaking. I know that life is not easy. We are given so much to struggle with. You've had to make sacrifices. You've had to trust that the world would be kind when there are no guarantees. Please believe me when I say that there is help out there. Shin held out his hand to her. Untie the rope and step down with me. We can make a plan together. No! The woman in red screamed and her voice shook the walls. It's fleeting. They'll forget about you. You'll be alone. The baby stirred in his bed and began to cry. Zuro's eyes darted to her child. You can't help him from up there, Zuro, Shin said, his hand still held out to her. Please, come down. A pause passed between the three of them, ghost, soldier, and sufferer. But Zuro did not take his hand. Shin nodded. He understood. She needed the space to make her own decision. He bowed his head and turned away. All the while, the ghost watched Zuro with hungry eyes. The wood creaked and Shin braced for the sound of a body dropping. But instead, he heard the humming of a mother as she comforted her son. Shin lifted his head slowly to see Zuro holding the child in her arms. The woman in red was gone. Zuro smiled shyly at him. The red rope remained hanging from the beam. Shin tugged it down gently and looped it around his arm. I'll call on you in the morning, madam, he said gently, if you feel all right to be alone. She nodded, her eyes still fixed on her son. Then she looked up at Shin. How did you know my name, soldier? Shin tilted his head, confused. The spirit said it. Tsuro paled, her voice trembling. Then you can see her too. Of course, he replied, wondering if he'd missed something. How could I help if I hadn't? Shin left soon after, his body aching for sleep. But as he walked into the street, he saw a column of moonlight devoid of rain. And inside was the spirit in red, waiting. I almost had her, the ghost said. She didn't sound resigned to her fate only annoyed. It takes time to convince someone to do what I've done. Tsuro was so close to the edge, she only needed a little push. Shin felt anger rising in his chest. He didn't say a word, but the spirit paid him no mind. 
Give me the rope, and I'll be on my way, she said. Shin wrapped the rope tighter around his forearm. I cannot do that. You'll try to hurt someone else. When he spoke again, his voice was firm. You will not take this rope from me. The ghost let out the strangest laugh. It was savage and sharp. As she cackled, the ends of her long dark hair lifted and moved, almost snake-like. She approached Shin slowly, her body rigid and her eyes unnaturally dark. He braced himself to strike her, but she closed the distance faster than he could comprehend. Then she caressed his cheek. His flesh burned at her touch. Why do you want to keep my rope, soldier? Do you think war will not kill you fast enough? You, who have seen me from the start. Shin stiffened, a dark weight settling in on him. The spirit saw him as he was. She knew the secrets he refused to speak, the visions that haunted his stifling nights and brutal mornings. She loomed closer, her breath foul. Shin's fingers closed into a fist. Then he punched upwards and hit himself in the nose. Blood splattered across his face. The ghost screamed and retched, springing backwards. He had remembered something his mother had told him many years ago, along with her stories of ghosts he hadn't believed at the time. Spirits cannot stand the sight of life, she'd said. They cannot stomach human blood. Shin reached up to his face, smearing the blood on his hands. Then he ran at the ghost, prepared for a perfectly honed strike. But his fist connected with something frozen. Part of her jaw fell to the ground, cracking into small shards. She looked over her shoulder. The sun had started to rise. Give it to me, she said. Give me the rope. Shin could feel her anger reverberating through his chest. It sounded as though a million voices were speaking at once. I mourn you. I understand and you are mourned, he answered. But I shall not let you compound your hurt. The ghost cried out in rage as the sun split the sky. But then, just as suddenly, she closed her mouth and smiled. The red rope bit into his skin. Shin smelled burning flesh and looked down to see the rope was glowing. Small, thorn-like spikes held it into his flesh. He tried to pry it off, but couldn't blood dripped down his arm. He felt faint. The ghost laughed. He was sure the pain would tear his arm in two, but he gritted his teeth and continued, trying to tear the rope from his skin. He would not have her bound to him. He could not live with this torture all the years of his life. The spells of melancholy and malaise were awful enough. Oh, soldier, she sighed as if she could hear his thoughts. We are bound and have always been bound. 
You will join me, eventually. Shin swallowed. So she could follow him. And perhaps she always would. And yet he realized there was a benefit to her making herself known. If she could be seen, she could be argued with. Shin raised an eyebrow. I may never join you. The only guarantee is you will follow me, and no one else. Well, yes, she admitted. In that case, Shin thought, he would argue with her as long as he could. He sighed. Well, come on then, he said wearily, accepting but not obeying his new shadow. I've got things to do. The ghost who was foiled offers a supernatural explanation for what researchers now call suicide contagion. The occurrence when one act of suicide in a community raises the likelihood for others to follow. When Marilyn Monroe's death was reported a suicide in 1962, there was a 12% increase in suicide deaths shortly after, according to the Center for Suicide Prevention. But a person needn't be a high-profile figure for the contagion to spread, and suicide clusters have been recorded in communities all around the world for decades. Researchers have found that the best way to prevent such clusters is to view suicidal ideation and the publicity surrounding it as highly risky since they can increase the chance for other suicides. For instance, anyone who comes into contact with a deceased by suicide is at a greater risk for suicidal ideation and therefore has a greater need for intervention. When we examine the ghost who was foiled through the lens of this research, an allegory appears. A community is literally haunted by the spirit of a woman who died by suicide, and that memory actively encourages others to turn their own plans for self-harm into action. Convincing someone else to follow in her footsteps allows the ghost to advance within the cycle of spiritual transformation. She is no longer locked in her own pain because she has shared it with others. The original story's final beat, the binding of the soldier with the rope, adds another interesting permutation. The soldier, who begins the story so sure of his ability to help the ghost's would-be victim, is found writhing on the ground, talking wildly. When the townsfolk who had come to thank him try to help him, he explains what happened and rides off. Mental illness, the tale suggests, is not an isolated thing. It's in constant dialogue with those who suffer from it, as well as with the people around us. The ghost who was foiled is a parable, one aimed at preventing suicide by showing how one might remove themselves from the cycle. It's rare for a tale so frightening to be hopeful but, in many ways, that's the nature of many stories of spirits. They are terrifying until you name them and acknowledge what they are. 
It does not dissolve their power completely, but it does give you a means of recruiting allies. And when you ask for help, you're much more likely to win. Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places Ghost Stories. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Lil DeRitter and Jennifer Roche, with writing assistance by Alex Garland, fact-checking by Audriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. <laughs>